the Present Age Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Malloy. Joining me this week is meteorologist and climate scientist, Eric Holthouse. Eric operates The Phoenix, a substack about humanizing the climate emergency. He's the author of The Future Earth, a radical vision for what's possible in the age of warming, and he founded Currently, a free subscription weather service. Let's get started. Joining me today is Eric Holthouse. So what I wanted to ask you was after the IPCC re- released its most recent report, there were a lot of really kind of downer headlines about it. And when you sent me a copy of your book last year, one thing I liked about it was the fact that it was kind of, it was hopeful. And that's not something you really see or hear too much on this topic anymore. Yet it was realistic. Can you tell me a little bit about why it's important to kind of, uh, to uh, to not embrace climate nihilism, I guess. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I think that we don't have a really have a choice anymore, honestly. Um, if we are going to um, do what we need to do in the time we have left, we have to change the narrative. We have to um, really like unlearn that climate change is an inevitable disaster and that we're all going to die and instead think about it as um, a justice issue, just like other justice issues and get angry. And um, that comes with a realization that a better world is possible, that there are systemic changes that need to happen in every aspect of society anyway. And that's literally what the climate scientist said this week was, we have to change every part of of human society at a rapid scale in order to um, get down to the emissions goals that we need to do to preserve the habitability of our planet. Like what's more important than that than being able to live on a planet, right? We don't have anywhere else to go. We have to do this. One thing about, about that, which the past year has kind of messed mess with my head a little bit on, I guess, is the fact that it, we're in the middle of this sort of pandemic where you have people who aren't taking these super simple, easy, mild inconveniences to their life to, to go get vaccinated or to, or to wear a mask or to stay six feet apart from someone. And I keep thinking to myself, if if people won't do that sort of stuff, which feels like the bare minimum, I don't, I just don't know how we can expect people to get on board with doing the big things necessary to, to tackle climate change or tackle any, any of these, these larger problems that are facing us, these sort of existential problems, which is something that I've been kind of thinking a lot about lately as it, as it comes to just places that places that I know that I've that I've lived that have changed for reasons not related to climate you know I was I just wrote a blog post about how um, my favorite baseball team is the Chicago Cubs and how Wrigleyville the area right around the stadium it has changed so much in the past decade that it's just almost um, unrecognizable and there's this sort of sadness that comes with that but Mm -hmm. You've written about on in in your book. You've you've written about how that sort of sadness is kind of applying on a global level, a sort of um, 
I forgot there was a word there was a word you used for it. Um it's escaping me right now. But mm. it basically this this idea that um, you know, like a nostalgia for a lost Oh, solastalgia. Yeah. That's it. That yep. was it. <laughs> Do you think that people that we can actually address this? I mean, I keep I want to believe that humanity can kind of come around and, and address these issues, but at the same time I feel that maybe I'm a bit cynical as far as uh, the politics of any of this goes because I've a lot of my work has been in monitoring media and that has uh, left me kind of jaded. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I think that, um, I mean, first off, there's no parallel or precedent for the kinds of change that we're seeing in the entire really existence of humanity. That's what another thing the report said this week was. Um, it's been 150,000 years since temperatures were this high. It's been 2 million years since we've had this much carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Like, you know, humanity itself is, is, uh, you know, human civilization is about a hundred thousand years old and, and, uh, um, humans like modern humanity, uh, our species is only about 2 million years old. So we are seeing changes that our species humans have never seen before at the, at a rate that is not something that we're built to process. So it's normal uh, for us to feel really weird and uncertain about this time. Um, it's not, it's not something that we're built to process to have geological scale change happening in the span of one human lifetime. So it's, it's normal to feel those weird conflicted feelings because we're trying to make sense of it all in the base back part of our brain as well. Right. Um, it's not just wondering what are we going to do about it? How are we going to motivate people? But it's like, we're trying to survive and thrive as animals at the same time. So um, I think that uh, one way that I've been thinking about it is that it takes a lot uh fewer people than you might expect to create that rapid, uh, large scale change. Like we, um, don't, uh, need to have, it's not like, a um, it's not like, a uh, what's it called? The, um, critical mask of vaccination or mask wearing, um, the herd immunity. We don't have to get 90% of people on board with any particular climate action for it to be effective. Um, we just need really, honestly, the, the, to destroy the fossil fuel industry. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> just, you know, the most, the largest and mo richest, most powerful, most profitable in industry in human history. Um, Simple. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we need to do that. Um, but we also need to, um, you know, embrace the anger and embrace the courage that comes with reading reports like this, knowing that climate change is not something that's just passively happening. It's something that's being done to us. It's an injustice. Um, and, um, you know, right before COVID, we were hitting that those kind of critical social movement tipping points of, you know, national governments were starting to respond to people in the streets and saying, okay, we're going to get on a rapid uh, climate change 
uh, action trajectory because you're going to shut down the country if we don't, right? Like they were afraid. The leaders were afraid, I think, for the first time on this issue. And, um, you know, I don't know what it's going to take to get that to happen again, but I know that it will happen again because um, that is the most effective way um, of creating rapid change is demanding it. Honestly, in a democracy, that's what we need to do. Sure. Do you, I mean, do you think that the answer is in government policy or is it in trying to just encourage companies to do better? I don't, I like, that's, that's where I'm always lost when, when it's like, okay, be angry, push for change, but how, like Mm. if, if, if someone, just your average everyday person, if, if they want to create change, like what, what's, what should we be pushing for? What sort of policies or actions or attitudes i mean because i I understand that with you know one one thing we have kind of going for for us on on the side of people who want to prolong humanity (laughs) um is is the fact that fossil fuels are kind of uh it, it the profitability kind of just keeps ticking down as compared to some of the renewables um but what what should what should people like 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 me or anyone listening to this do like what what's the policy to argue for right um so my not that satisfying answer is that you you just need to do whatever will get you up in the morning honestly like there are so many parts of building this new society that is not extractive that um that is um, focused on regeneration and and resilience. So care work, um, uh, education, um, um, public safety, public health, um, anti-racism, all of those things have to happen um, in order to uh, do the this like slow society changing work. Um, regardless of whatever, you know, carbon tax or whatever is, is, is passed. Like I don't, I'm not personally very motivated by like calling a Senator or protesting or any of that kind of stuff, because it feels too abstract to me. Um, for me, like I enjoy teaching my kids about nature or I enjoy, you know, taking a break from the screen and going on a walk outside and just like thinking for a little bit as like, what do I want my neighborhood to be like? What what feels achievable? And having conversations with friends, um, uh, you know, just keeping uh, my motivation up, honestly, because as someone who works on climate change every day, like that's a major challenge that I have. Like I'm in therapy. Like I couldn't do this without um, knowing that, like really knowing that, um, that, uh, that there is some sort of hopeful change that's possible. And if you kind of can't really believe yourself when you say that, then you're not going to be in, uh, uh, like, I, I know everyone needs their their time to sort of process and acknowledge what's happening. And, you know, there's a place for everyone in, in, um, in the climate movement, you don't have to consider yourself an activist to be someone who's, who's creating effective uh, climate action. But I feel like um, 
you know, we have to demonstrate to each other that that um, we can help each other through this time. Because I think for the last couple hundred years, it's been this sort of like every person for themselves mentality in broader society. And that is something that really doesn't um, match with, um, you know, a more ecological approach, which is the way we're going to have to restructure all parts of society. So the more that you can get yourself into the mindset, like I'm part of a network, I'm part of a system, I'm part of a organic, like, thing that can respond and be flexible uh, rather than it's just me on my own. Like climate change is not your fault. Climate change is not something that you are personally liable for, but you do have a responsibility to show up just like you have a responsibility to show up to be anti-racist or you have a responsibility to show up to be a part of broader society. Like you have to pay your taxes. You have to follow the rules of being a pedestrian, you know, like you, you still have responsibility to each other. Like that's, that's what, that's what happens in being a member of society, but you don't have to do it all yourself. Right. Yeah. I, I think that one of the problems seems to be, this sense of rugged individualism that sort of i can i can lift myself out by my bootstraps and if if someone else can't that's their problem and and that's something that we've seen over and over with the pandemic um and and why that has that approach has not been a good one <laughs> because people tend there are a lot of people who I, I mean i don't quite understand how but they just don't seem to care about other people else yeah <laughs> and and there, there was there was an old like huffington post blog that someone right, had right. that was i love that no, yeah I, I don't know how to explain to you that you should it, care it, about other people yeah yeah. Uh, yeah i don't know how to explain to you that you should care about other people that was it it's something that just sits in the back of my head just thinking about mm-hmm. that and the and how true it is and i think that that's why when you see people uh, angry about the concept of intersectionality, for instance, which is, you know, just kind of this understanding that that all there are all sorts of factors in life pushing in all sorts of different directions. And really the only way out of it is to care about things that don't directly impact you. I mean, I, I'm white, obviously. Um, and, uh you know, racism doesn't doesn't personally harm me. In in fact, I mean, being white, there are many times in my life without even knowing it, I've probably benefited from racism. Mm-hmm. You know, this the structure of society and so on. But at the same time, I do feel a personal responsibility to push back on that and fight mm-hmm. back against that because that's not the way the world should be. Just because mm-hmm. the that's the way the world is, and. That's sort of the like basic of, human rights matter. Yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, that's so that's sort of my my view on on climate and I think that that's hopefully a good one. I it's mm-hmm. hard to it's hard to tell. It's hard to it's hard to know what what the problems are. Is it that we you know, we're living in a in a world where uh, everyone wants a big, big yard and they want to spread out and take up as much land and use as much resources as possible or the existence of Exxon, you know, the, and it's probably more the latter, but all of it kind of plays in together. But at the same time, I feel sometimes I, I feel like there's just this sense of, okay, I'm doing this to make myself feel better 
because I can't do anything else. This is the most I can personally do. And that's kind of kind of goes, it feels like it goes with what you were saying about, you know, doing, doing whatever helps you get up in the morning to, mm-hmm. to, to move forward. And God, I don't know. It's just, it's so depressing, but I want, I want to <laughs> feel optimistic. And I know that it's, it's just one of those topics that, that is, it's beyond frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but on, on a totally, not totally different topic, but a slightly different topic. I wanted to ask you about currently. Sure. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about that? What, what it is, um, how it came to be, what you, what you do, et cetera. Right. Yeah. So currently we're building as a, a weather service for the climate emergency. So a service in the broad sense of that world, word in, in the sense that we're organizing around the weather. We are talking uh, about the weather because the weather is something that's like a least common denominator for people to talk about. Right. But also the weather is political now. Uh, the weather is something that connects us to each other in really important and tangible ways. Um, and, um, it's also a very practical, uh, uh, thing in the sense that the weather is the main way that we interact with the climate emergency. Like if there's extreme weather happening where we are, or if we hear about extreme weather on the news, uh, that's happening somewhere else, um, we can directly aid each other. We can also, um, help keep ourselves and our family safe, um, if we are informed about the weather. So my idea is that, um, you know, we're partnering with, with Twitter on this to create, uh, conversation spaces and to, to, um, we're doing daily weather newsletters written by a real person that goes beyond what you can just get in your phone app. Um, it's a real person talking with you about the weather each day. Um, we're also launching, uh, an, an SMS service where, um, in, um, in many countries, uh, without of like super well advanced, well-developed, uh, weather service, like we have in the U S um, you know, SMS and WhatsApp are the main ways that people communicate with each other about breaking news or about the weather. Um, so we are in the process of rolling out an SMS weather service for anywhere in the world. Um, you can sign up and we will send you sort of automated messages about um, if there is a, a, an event, uh, uh, you know, some sort of weather alert that's happening where you are. And you can text back to us and we will have like a meteorologist respond to you that oh, will really answer cool. your questions um, and we're going to do all of this in context of climate change. So we're partnering with um, Climate Central, which is a nonprofit that's focused on on understanding the connections between weather and climate. Um, and there are so many uh, climate science has advanced to the point where we can in real time attribute uh, climate and weather disasters um, to climate change to say like, you know, this event was X percent more likely because of, um, because of global warming. And so, um, and also have that scientific understanding of how that connection happens. And in, uh, in this week's IPCC report was the very first time that that was traced back to, um, 
fossil fuel burning activities. So we know that there's a direct causal link between fossil fuels and extreme weather now. Um, we can literally blame hurricanes on Exxon. Like that's a scientific fact now, um, which wasn't necessarily the, the international consensus as of last week. So this is a major advance in terms of building uh, political movements, building communities around organizing around climate, but also just informing us of reality. Uh, that, that factual reality now is that the weather is um, is something that is um, is something that, that can bring us all together and help us to imagine a better world. Um, that's my goal with currently. Um, you can sign up at currentlyhq.com. All the weather newsletters are free um, to get access to the SMS service, as well as um, we'll send you like a. A, a gift basket of merch. Uh, you can you can join at five dollars a month, and this is a com- a completely independent um, thing. We're not getting funding by Twitter at all. Um, we're trying to uh, prove that independent climate journalism can reimagine what a weather service could be. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna try to compete with the Weather Channel or anything like that. We're gonna add to it, uh, this sort of climate service that currently doesn't exist. Yeah, that is, that, that's really, it's really interesting to me because I, uh, I, I guess I sort of, one thing I like about it, I guess, is one way of saying it, is that places like the Weather Channel or your evening news telling you the weather, there always seems to be this hesitancy to tie events to climate change hmm. because that makes people feel like, oh, it's injecting politics into this. But it's it's not politics. And I, th- that's, I think that's probably part of the problem that, that there's been this reluctance to discuss these things openly in, in the news. And you have, I mean... Fox News is going to start its own weather channel now, right. I guess, which yep. that'll that'll be interesting, I, I suppose. So we'll be the opposite of the yeah. Fox News weather channel. You will <laughs> you will be the the factual opposite there, you know, but it's uh, I really appreciate the work you do. Thank and you. I think that it matters. It's all depressing, but it matters. <laughs> and. I feel like we all kind of have to fight these fights together. And that's why I'm always interested in hearing new ideas, hearing what I can do personally, what, what we can do collectively as, as a country or a planet. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, 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 I found that following you on Twitter is a good way to stay up to date with that sort of stuff. Thank so you. that is, yeah. <laughs> um, I, and that's one thing that we're going to try to do with currently too. Um, we did a couple of reader surveys and the number one thing that people wanted was calls to action was saying, if there's this weather thing that's happening, how can I help? How can I get involved? What can I do? What, what will actually really matter? What will really make a difference? So that's going to be one of the main things that we're already doing actually mm-hmm. is, is sending out um, little uh, prompts to say, Here's um, how you can support the Pacific Northwest heat wave. You know, we did uh, a story about farm workers in Eastern Oregon and how there was a um, 
unionization effort that was trying to get um, cooling centers for for farm workers in Eastern Oregon. And so that was one of the calls to action we had was, you know, support these these workers who are literally out there creating our food for us and uh, dying on the job because there's no heat protection. So um, that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we want to tie into the weather report, which I think is really relevant. Sure. And, and yeah, I, I mean, so gosh, that was several, several, several years back. I worked at, um, I worked at the website Upworthy, which is, is very odd with, I was, I was an awkward fit. Um, but one of the things that would happen would be, and this was in the post, like, you'll never guess what happens next kind of Mm -hmm. phase of that site. It, It was when they were trying to do more tangible, you know, original kind of, stuff but one thing we found when we were writing about tragedies was that people didn't just want to hear about tragedies people want to go okay how can i help what can i do and i think that that's that's a big part of it that people want to help which people care yeah that gives me hope the fact that people want to help but for the most part it's just you know trying to figure out what to do where you know where should i send money or where what should i donate or where should i volunteer you know those are all sort of questions that different people want to engage on different levels. And so that's why, you know, I really appreciate that. That's what you guys are trying to do. Yeah. We have 25 cities right now and we have a mix of meteorologists and poets and artists that are writing about the weather every day in those cities. Um, They live in the communities so they can tell us, you know, here's the mutual aid network that has just popped up because the guy down my block is the one that's running it. Or, you know, they, uh, they have that insight, that local insight and they're, they're, um, which to me has been fascinating as a weather nerd, right? Like I'm learning about the weather all over, you know, um, understanding how, um, how, uh, heat index is different in Vancouver, BC versus in New Orleans, for example, like the, the thresholds that people, um, that will impact, uh, someone who is unhoused in Vancouver is a very much lower threshold than what I am used to. So I know that when, um, when, because there's no air conditioning in Canada, cause they don't need it. Right. Like right. They, you know, historically it doesn't get hot there uh uh so so that's like really been fascinating to learn the ties in to justice in terms of weather um it, it's really interesting to me yeah definitely i'm really i'm really excited to see where <laughs> currently goes mm-hmm. because that's what you guys are working on is so cool and so so different that um you know i i feel like different is what we sort of need generally mm-hmm. <laughs> um but you know, last thing I just wanted to kind of ask, is there anything else that you you want to add that you want to make sure anyone who's listening to this will actually hear? You know? Yeah, I mean, it's just that everyone has their place. I know it's all depressing and hard to understand and happening too fast. And but it's just kind of like COVID, I think that um, we were faced with this like really uh, shocking, striking change to every aspect of our lives. And then we just kind of rolled with it as people were dying around us. Like we were grieving that we were, um, we were, you know, loving each other. We were doing all that work that was necessary as well as, 
you know, learning how to buy the right kind of mask and learning all that stuff. Like this is climate change is that, but on like for the rest of our lives, like um, it's going to be very hard, uh, but it's also very important to understand that we're not doing this just for ourselves. We're doing it because it's, it's like the biggest justice issue of our time. It ties in together every, everything, food, housing, racism, all of that stuff. Um, this is one way that intersects all of it. And, um, you know, um, supporting each other through that, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this, you're probably that climate person in your friend group, right? Like you are asked these difficult questions and it's okay to not have the answer and it's okay to struggle through all of this because I do, you know, and this is my job. So, um, I would just, I, yeah, the only thing I would say is that just, um, ask for help when you need it, you know, send me a DM if you have to, I'll try to chat you, chat with you and encourage you that you're, you know, if you're on any path, then you're on the right path. So that's, that's a good, uh, that's a good line. (laughs) If you're on any path. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless you're planning to start an oil company, in which case you are on the wrong path. Exactly. And Uh. yeah, yeah. That's today's show. Thank you to Eric Holthouse for joining me. As always, you can find a complete transcript of today's show at readthepresentage.com.